Hi, and welcome to the Lavender Menace podcast. My name is Sunny. I am your co-host, and it is storming and raining outside. It's kind of the opposite of my name, actually. Um, so <laughs> it's storming and raining outside, so if you hear thunder in the distance and rain, girl, I can't control the weather. Uh, it's part I, of the ASMR. It's part two of our ASMR, ASMR episode. video. Because we did we did a bonus episode full length on Patreon of us whispering and talking about State and Revolution by Lennon. But you can find like a 15 minute version of the video on our YouTube channel, which is of course just Eleven Minutes Podcast. But that was funny as hell. But no, the out the background noise is going to be rain for tonight. Mm-hmm. Category rain. Like <laughs> And that's appropriate. For the yeah. shared media that we'll be talking about. That's as that's is your call. name. As is your introduction. Yeah. <laughs> and hi, because my name is Renaissance. You might be familiar with this word and its spelling more recently. One would hope. God, apparently it's kicking people's ass. There's like okay, low key. About it. it was kicking my ass while I was trying to write it down in my notebook so I could rank the songs, and I spelled it with two ends at first. And I'm like, at the, like this is. The, on the, at this point, it's you me. You spell my name so many times. You it's... call me by name, and you only call me by my full name. You don't really no. call me nicknames. No, I refuse to use a nickname. I don't even call my siblings mm-hmm. by nicknames. I don't call anyone by their nickname. Like I also like that. Is that also my fucking the fucking um? Oh my god! Oh my god! The predictive, predictive? text. On yeah. my phone, always has your name on it. I was gonna say, aren't, am I? Aren't I like the middle key? Yes, always you're always on the middle key for my predictive text. So like, I really should <laughs> it's have like it the down. Primary word. <laughs> I really should have the spelling down, but we're not at that point, are we? Anyway, you see my name about a thousand times a day every time you <laughs> open your phone, and it yeah. still beats your ass to rank like the album. literally. Anyways. So that's my general life update for the podcast is that a Beyonce album has come out that has shared my name. So a lot of the timeline has had my name in it, but not about me. As you've said, your searches are cleared for the next five years. <laughs> I've tweeted about Harry Styles now because this would be... My ass did it before there was renaissance album news and that was dumb on me that was i I take responsibility for that we could have a part three by phobia era if we really wanted to and literally and no what would happen (laughs) how are you gonna tweet about us now oh so renaissance yeah that's just people talking about the new beyonce it's funny as hell so it's literally summer like Mm -hmm. you can call beyonce biphobic (laughs) so what now what now she drops an entire like LGBT <laughs> album. True. And then immediately gets biphobic <laughs> allegations. That's us talking to our audience of like gay people and then people be like, you hate gay people? Yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Anyways. No, right, as we should. So, oh, this is like when people, today, when people, okay, as day of recording, people are freaking the fuck out because First Kill got canceled. That's my whole timeline. And as you know, if you've listened to our first kill episode, we're cheering. We're happy. <laughs> In fact, we would agree with Netflix with this decision. Literally, like out of all of the cancellations, the fact that first kill has this many people going to bat for it. And I'm like, girls, stand up. Ladies, stand up. What are we doing? What are oh, we doing? I'm about God. to send all of your asses to True Directions if you do not <laughs> get your act together. Like... Please. Please. 
That's a Bud oh, Cheerleader Lord. reference for those of you who are yeah. unfamiliar with the it. Bible. Yeah. yeah. We also have an episode on, on that pretty recently exactly. as well. But today we will be going through a couple of our listener submitted hot takes thanks to the emails you sent us. Thank you for sending emails, by the way, and we appreciate every mm-hmm. email that you guys send. We've also noticed that unlike what Spotify tells us our demographic is, the demographic of the people who email us are usually the... 18 and under group so mm-hmm. if you are an adult and listening and you want to send us an hot take that would be really well, not awesome about your high school drama <laughs> even though we love we reading love it. reading about your high school drama like if someone who has paid a single tax for you, just one that's not a sales tax that would yeah. be greatly appreciated yeah no i'm kidding anyways we do love our young listeners yeah i mean i don't know how how great this is in terms of contributing to your development like in terms of your brain and like adolescence and all that but we appreciate your presence anyway we can't talk because we grew up on jb and chris fleming and still (laughs) at our grown age go back and rewatch those episodes so but anyways so today we have a hot take submitted actually in our dms our dms on instagram that is relevant to the media portion of this episode because we will be talking about and of course ranking and discussing Renaissance by Beyonce, her most recent album and project. And this DM is from someone named Ray, right? I guess Ray, but okay, either way. Yeah. Love the podcast, you all, and the reputation PowerPoint. Really validated my love for <laughs> Taylor over the last 15 years, especially as a black non-binary lesbian who was going through puberty when she was just getting popular. Thank you so much. Anyway, would y'all do an episode slash segment on by Beyonce? Bi spelled B-I dash. I listened to one of your crossover episodes with the Archers and you mentioned how Beyonce is really mother and I felt that. There are a lot of similar vibes in their music, but I feel like people talk about B pronounced B possibly being bi a lot during her self-titled era, but I don't hear it as much anymore. I feel like there are lots of themes in her music that are queer, but they're overshadowed by all that shit with Jay. Also, congrats to Renaissance for having the next album (laughs) named after them. Thanks again for your amazing work. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank you. And thank you again for congratulating me for just sharing my name with the album. I've gotten a couple of messages and I love every single one of them. Right, right. To start off for the topic, I was in middle school when Self-Titled came out, and so Four and Self-Titled, those were like my main Beyonce albums in middle school, which would have been the time that I guess some of the bi discourse would have been happening, because Lemonade came out when I was in high school, and then obviously now we just got Renaissance. Mm -hmm. So I feel like now looking back, a lot of the albums that I liked in middle school were gay, but I didn't know they were gay at the time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like 1989. Like, I was a 1989 <laughs> girl. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking about Diana Agron at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, I also loved Taylor and Carly, but I didn't think of them as gay at the time. Yeah, yeah, And then yeah. now looking back, I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I literally witnessed that, and I right. had no idea. No, so exactly. I this is why the best see... friendship thing is so real <laughs> for the in-the-closet gay girls you know like it really works in their favor yeah yeah it it really does so to answer the question or the topic of like by discourse around beyonce during self-titled i could see it being there and me but i was not there for that yeah yeah but i wouldn't have known i would have been like omg hashtag feminist in the way that i thought i was a feminist but i was actually gay 
Yeah, I'm not yeah, a feminist. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, 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 not a feminist. We hate women. So the thing, <laughs> the thing is, is that okay, okay. What's similar about the trajectory of Beyonce and Taylor Swift's careers and work is that well, first of all, we've said this before, but like the way that Beyonce is such a Virgo, Taylor is such a Sagittarius, as yeah. we can see with the amount of flights she's taking and the traveling she's doing. <laughs> And Sagittarians, as we know, love to travel. Anyways, so I think that's true, right? They're both very much their astrological signs, and it's, like, so fucking real. But um, they also have, like, huge bodies of work, ranging from the early 2000s to now. And they're still making incredible, contemporary, relevant music. And they both have, like, at least 150, probably, plus songs in their discography. And have really... especially Beyonce with... Destiny's Child before oh, yeah. so her he, solo like, career. In terms of just music in general, both of them have made at least 200 plus songs um, and, and like sang on them, essentially, right? So, and they've both been involved in the industry since a young age. They both come from a fair amount of money. They have, they're around, they're in the same generation of like age, age range wise, I would say. I um, think there's like 10 years between them because Beyonce just turned yeah and taylor's turned 32 right so yeah yeah um but like for people who grew up around the time that we did they were they've always been major like they're in the same generation of of people right like and so i think that there are similarities there and i think it's funny when people like, stand both of them or stand one and not the other or, like, really hate on whatever group. Like, I just think that's fucking funny as hell. Um, I think it's also (laughs) funny because they respect each other. Yeah. And I think another thing that they share is that they are both the music industry. Like, when they do something, it It now redefines the landscape of what every other artist is going to do. Mm -hmm, Every other mm -hmm. artist is affected by when Taylor drops an album, mm-hmm. what kind of album she drops, mm-hmm. what the PR is, what her moves are around it. Yeah, yeah. In the same way that, like, Megan's career, Doja's career, Sweeties, City Girls, Chloe and Haley, obviously, yeah. their careers are now always going to be impacted by Beyonce now having renaissance in her discography. Yeah, yeah. And what their sound is going to be like now. Yeah, like, they are children of of Miss Beyonce. It's like, very evident. Do not need a paternity test. We yeah, yeah, know yeah. who the father is. Right. And, it's and Taylor is that is true for that for every indie white bitch who's been on the scene for the past 10 fucking years. <laughs> like, every, everyone's taking notes from her. You know what I mean? And so I think, like, for, for their own segments of the music industry and their own segments of a fan base that, of course, overlap. And diverge. Yeah, and diverge. <laughs> they have a lot. They have a they have a grip on particularly like I think American culture and thus global culture. Like mm-hmm. I think they're very globally recognized names and artists and sounds. You know, everyone's heard mm-hmm. and knows the chorus to at least five Beyonce and Taylor songs. Yeah, like everyone does. You know, um, and I don't know if that's of that generation of like female artists. I don't know if. Or just artists in general. I don't know if that's true for that many other, like, vocalists and singer-songwriters, you know? This could be my misandry era. Yeah. I really can't think of another male artist who's in 
their age range, like between yeah. the two of them, and that we would have grown up with, that would be as influential as Taylor and Beyonce have been throughout our lives and are still. No. Like, Ed Sheeran, for some reason, still gets hundreds of millions of streams or whatever. Like, I know that he has the numbers. Yeah, yeah. But none of my friends are texting me in all caps hastily <laughs> after he drops something. And then when Taylor or Beyonce so much yeah. as breathe or wake up in the morning, I have five messages about it, minimum. Like, independently. Right, right, right. When I hang out with friends, now it's like, Andre put on Justin Bieber and Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> like, that never comes up. Right, right, right. And I don't think of them as being mother. Like, yeah. I don't see them having sons in the way that, like, yeah. if we're not listening to Taylor, we're listening to Chapel Rowan. We're listening <laughs> to Faye Webster. Or, yeah. you know, something else. Because like, Claro, listening- Phoebe Bridgers, this whole generation yeah. of these, of these pop girl artists, like, whatever, you know. Th- even if they don't want to associate themselves with Taylor Swift, like, they are inherently. Yeah. It's going to happen. And same for all the other pop girls in Beyonce's lane, I guess. Mm-hmm. But for men, like, I don't really, I don't know. I, I guess maybe, like, Drake is probably in their generation. Yeah, I guess Drake would be, like, the closest one. I guess right. probably Jay-Z. Right, right, right. And of course, really. <clears throat> and these men are all tied to Taylor mm-hmm. and Beyonce in one way or the other. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, Swift, Drake. Obviously, Drake yeah. definitely is. I just don't. I just don't think of men in music in the way that when I listen to older decades, like when I listen to fifties mm-hmm. music, it's predominantly men. When I listen mm-hmm. to seventies music, it's predominantly men. Mm-hmm. Or bands with like maybe like a woman lead, but mm-hmm. like the rest are men. Mm-hmm. Once we get to like late nineties to now, there's not that many men to be found. Like, yeah. it's just the girlies. They fell off. What can you say? Anyway. I think... So, yeah, I think that this comparison that Ray is bringing up is real AF. With the bisexual allegations, I just feel like, in general, more people... I see pe- it. Yeah, more people who we think or are presumed straight are bi in general, period. Mm-hmm. Like, in real life, in pop culture, in media, like, this is just... This is just the situation. I, w- I would say, like... A lot of people who think they're straight or are seen as straight aren't necessarily, and it's really just due to, you know, like, heteronormativity, etc. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course, how much of sexuality is innate versus socially driven, who knows, whatever. That's not the point. Like, I don't know, especially because Renaissance, this album, is such a uh, dedication to LGBT history and ballroom mm-hmm. culture and queer culture. Mm-hmm. in a contemporary sort of way like i just think in, in in a similar way that that people have sort of made the point that like folklore and evermore are along the lines of the cottage core contemporary ideas of like lesbianism or best girl friendship or whatever you know like i think thematically speaking and in terms of just the aesthetics and the way that the music sounds it's going to be tied to themes of like American queerness in this like culturally mm-hmm. grounded way because there's a long history of like lesbian folk right and of course yeah. there's a long history of music that sounds like this coming from queer artists so well and I think also with Renaissance and Beyonce it's specifically like black queer culture yeah, like, yeah this yeah. isn't the queer history of everyone I think as much 
like gay sound like just straight up gay sounding this album is it's still a very black album which is another point that i wanted to make when we get to the album but i think that in the way that like blackness informs like gender like even cis black women right. experience like cis womanhood differently than like cis white women mm -hmm. i think that like beyonce and her queerness or by allegations mm -hmm. is also so tied to her blackness mm -hmm. that like when she expresses her blackness it's also gay mm -hmm. like looking back at like homecoming and when she does gay like renaissance mm -hmm. it's also still very black yeah, yeah, yeah like i think beyonce does both of these things very well mm -hmm. yeah, yeah yeah beyonce defines and delineates young black and, and old like all, all generations of blackness in america the way that I think Taylor defines white girlhood and white womanhood for all generations of Americans. <laughs> like, like for better or for worse with Taylor, because yeah. then like there's black Swifties, yeah. obviously, that get like shitted on or like made fun of for being a black Swiftie. But should we move on to another hot take or do you have more to say about Ray's message? Mm, I don't have anything else, but thank you so much for the submission and the DM. Yes, <clears throat> it's slayed very much. So the next hot take is from Lou, and it says, Hi, Sonnesans. Hi. Hello. Back again, but this time with a different discourse in this article that was posted today about Miss Swift being the celebrity with the highest amount of CO2 emissions from private plane use so far this year. Seeing so many bad takes about it lately, but I want to say that we need to be realistic about Miss Swift, as much as I love her and all her privileges. At the end of the day, she's a wealthy white cis woman, but also, I don't know, this just seems wrong. There are no traceable sources in the article, and uh, what about tech giant motherfuckers like Bezos and Musk? It just doesn't seem accurate to me. Not trying to go hard for Taylor here because don't get me wrong, what the fuck does she need a private jet for right now and she's not even on tour or anything? However, comma, <laughs> I'm sick of the internet taking every opportunity ever to pile on her because there's nine other motherfuckers on that list but all i'm seeing is people shit on miss swift but maybe that's my hashtag swifty tendencies clouding my judgment what are your thoughts lou they them she her for lesbians thank you lou yeah and also i would like to say i agree that like when this first happened i like texted sunny and i was like i'm not gonna publicly defend taylor swift <laughs> on twitter for this also, yeah. so many of the tweets that I'm seeing are so, are so stupid. Like, I don't even care that it's Taylor Swift, but I want to disagree with them because, because they're it's being so dumb. And like, so real quick, the like article that it was posted on was on this like website called the Tab. And right. so when I first I first saw like one tweet and I opened it up and I was like, oh, this is a clickbait article, like whatever like I didn't yeah. think anything anyone was gonna think anything of it and then throughout the day it just got like more and more trending and I'm yeah. like, <laughs> like what? you guys are just taking the piss out of it like like yeah. literally just making jokes about it but the thing that infuriated me the most was the people that were like trying to be hashtag environmentalist activists by dragging Taylor <laughs> Swift and I'm like if this is your biggest political contention in the world as a hashtag Specifically regarding in the environment? That's just so yeah, fucking like, funny. Specifically being like, I care about the environment, so I hate Taylor Swift. Yeah. Babes. Like, <laughs> babes. Like, be real. Hashtag be serious. And yeah. So I scrolled down to, like, the tab to 
and like clicked on like the who we are or whatever and it literally says like the tab site is covering youth culture by student culture ran by journalists who like being first we live stream from protest expose expose bullshit and discrimination and tell you which kebab shops are worth your money and it's like our london office is run by 23 year olds who write seriously hot takes sickening <laughs> accurate guides to life and chat to Jeremy Corbyn about Love Island. <laughs> so I'm like, these, if, like, first of all, hashtag get real. Like, but if this is an office in London ran by 23 year olds, they know what putting Taylor Swift at the top of this list is gonna do for their, like, sharing the link of the article. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it worked. No, yeah, and there's no fucking way that the tab, a college ran. <laughs> pop culture news site has accurate numbers on co2 emissions of private jets (laughs) i don't know whether i don't know how people i I think you even calculate that (laughs) like i feel like with the private jet situation there are ways to be able to publicly track celebrities comings and goings with like private jets and stuff and like you know there's like sites specifically to it and you could you know gather all that data you want and and analyze yeah. and think about it and so that i guess that's what they're doing so whatever like get your clicks I like <laughs> i think like again celebrity culture i would say it is like a byproduct and the inevitable conclusion of capitalism it's like necessary mm-hmm. to sustain mm-hmm. it you know there are modern day One fucking aristocrats like it, you know instead of a monarchy of people you worship you know it's like different figures and whatever right mm-hmm. um but i think Like, again, people are just taking the piss. Like, it it is. And I think, like, some of the memes and the jokes are just, like, funny and it's whatever, you know, if you're not taking Mm -hmm. it too serious. I just think people who take it so seriously or or are attempting to take it so seriously are just very funny because how does that not further contribute to the nature of celebrity culture and tagging every systemic social issue onto the backs of people who are by and large unaffected by them you know like i think that is something that is a byproduct of the celebrity culture that you are attempting to criticize in shaming rich people for doing what they do as rich people i don't know i i think if the general public could behave normally when taylor swift took one step outside, maybe she wouldn't need a private jet. Genuinely think about the realistic thing that would happen if Taylor Swift right now went on like- Took a a commercial commercial airline. Yeah. Girl. Stepped on American (laughs) Airlines, took a Delta flight. Like, she that. can that woman cannot go outside. Like, I don't know what to tell. She, like, she can barely. And it's pretty standard for her to be using an umbrella to cover herself when walking out of her plane. Like, we see that in Miss yeah. Americana that yeah. came out years ago. At this point, like, that's just standard procedure for celebrities. You know what She's I mean? Not like, hiding from anyone in a way that's like different than any right. other time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, yeah. that's different from any other celebrity. But, like, I think in general, whether or not you're conservative or liberal, (laughs) right? if your politics are defined by what celebrities do or don't do, I already don't respect you. (laughs) If you are an environmentalist or you care about the earth because Taylor Swift has a private jet, I think you're lame. Like, I don't care. Because... Are there not bigger fish to fucking fry? Like, I don't... (laughs) 
what's the energy where's the energy going towards like petroleum companies mm-hmm. you know that are that have actively destroyed the earth and pushed the idea of a carbon footprint to funnel systemic responsibility to individuals you know yeah. like what this information quote-unquote information we don't like even if they did do like the public jet tracker and like did it themselves that's still not a fucking like source so like whatever yeah. and i but, love how the quote from the from the publicity team was like taylor has people use her jet so it's not always just like her which like okay i believe that fair enough yeah. whatever like <laughs> just like the fact that this is even something that like tree pain had to like wake up to and like <laughs> I think Lou pointing out that there are nine other people on this list, but the entire timeline has only focused on memeing Taylor Swift. Isn't just like, not to defend a a white woman who is Mm -hmm. like wealthier than I could possibly ever imagine or be. Yeah. But like, Twitter really loves just bullying Taylor Swift. There's something about it that just like brings people together. Right, 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 right. And about her specifically, like anything she does will get memed, reaction videoed, hit tweeted, like. Yeah. And not for people who like are lovingly nagging on her. Oh, yeah, because I mean, Swifties, I think... like, make fun of her all the time. Yeah, yeah, It's not yeah. what I'm referencing, that you can never right. talk about Taylor Swift. Because, like, the Archers has, like, running jokes about Taylor Swift yeah. and stuff like that. But when it comes to stuff like this... And right. before, I think, like, when we were on our break, <laughs> we were on a break, me and Taylor, Yeah, I didn't ever participate in it directly, but I didn't, like, notice it or it didn't bother me as much. But now yeah. that I am a Swifty, and I think also now that I am a communist, <laughs> I'm like... Yeah. Taylor Swift is not really the pinnacle of everything that's wrong <laughs> in the way that people treat her to be. <laughs> or like, people, I love I when Swifties. I think there's no bigger evils now than I did before. <laughs> <laughs> I think that when Swifties will be like, why didn't Taylor speak on this? If Taylor thinks she's such a feminist or a gay ally, then why didn't mm-hmm. she blah, blah, blah? Like, I, we see that all the time from various yeah. fans and such. And I'm just like, girl, like, that's because that's who she is like that's that these that's how celebrities are this is the nature say, like, she's not of that different she's much more talented than other than a lot of these right right she can write more she can perform more she has a vision and she sees it through yeah but in terms of like what we know about her politics publicly she's she's not that really different not different from, from any other millionaire white mm-hmm. woman like it's just like she's just and obviously she only she only talks about or thinks about things that affect her because that's the case for most people i think she has been screwed over by the capitalist attention grabbing industry and like the way that various like rich people have attempted to or have fucked her over in a way that like a lot of people deal with on a lesser degree with less publicity on a regular basis you know what i mean like everyone is fucked over by rich people every day and that's and and that's true for artists too like especially you know like it's not there's a reason why the industry is so fucking terrible she has and is making it better in the ways that she can right like she's with the power that she has i i don't think she uses her power necessarily for bad in the specter of her area of like reach 
you know, in a way that other people can or do. I, I don't know. I just don't think she is the worst um, or like to be the focus. Any complaints or critiques that I have about Taylor Swift are complaints and critiques that I have about whiteness at large, that I have about mm-hmm. cis womanhood at large, that I have about capitalism at large. I can't yeah. think of anything that is like, That's specific so specific to her. To her. That's, that, it, like, that wouldn't be relevant to any other of her contemporaries, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. That's the thing. Swifties that are normal and can think and have brain cells get annoyed <laughs> at when things like this happen. Is like, it's not that she is absolved of criticism, but people mm-hmm. are pinpointing criticisms to her directly that aren't really about her. Like, mm-hmm. That, I think, is what is the annoying part of all this is tree it's very needs to share her income <laughs> with every communist swifty because the pr work that we do for her doesn't even touch the work that tree pain does Woo-hoo. yeah 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 i mean it's it's quite comedic to me to see mm-hmm. <laughs> like i don't <clears throat> know how many listeners we have that are like significantly older than us but mm-hmm. if anyone who was of sound mind and age before the 2016 <laughs> election, can yeah. anyone talk about if people <laughs> tied their politics to celebrities in the same uh, way now that they did before? I want to be able to like Taylor Swift without seeing my friends get DMs on dating apps about her CO2 emissions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, also, like, what did you expect? I that that woman is always going places. Like she's her various cameos in gen in general. Yeah. She was always gonna be a fucking jet setter since she was a kid. Since she was mm-hmm. a kid, she's been because if it's not a jet, it's a tour right. bus. How much yeah, yeah, yeah. gas and emissions yeah, do, yeah, yeah. Uh, emissions do you think a tour bus has, even if she's on that? Yeah, mm-hmm. this is par for the fucking course. I don't know why people want to make this news. Like I don't know why every little thing that any celebrity does or anything that. Uh, people like Taylor Swift and Beyonce, their name or their projects being attached to, you know, their movements or their merch production or all this shit. It's like, girl, like, why are you acting as if this is a fucking expose? On, on a certain level, all of us understand and know that it takes a lot of exploitation for the world to work in the way that it does. And it takes a lot of exploitation for all of us to live in the particular way that we do. So for people who have a lot more money and power and fame, than us that's just always gonna be exponentially escalated we all know this like this just Mm -hmm. has got to be true and if you don't understand that and if this is really like a fucking awakening for you then you'd never understood celebrity culture or how capitalism operates in the first place and that is just something you gotta learn and i think once you adopt that and once you understand that shit you don't have to take this as seriously or as like an actual thing that you have to contend with morally because it's really not, I don't think. On to another interest, or would you like to read the next hot take? So Amy sends us, Amy, she, her, 17, lesbian, proud Virginian. At first I thought it said proud virgin. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I that 
No, uh, from Virginia. Anyways, hi, Sunny Renaissance. I wanted to talk about the whole Jojo Siwa controversy where she talks about how she doesn't like to use the word lesbian because it makes her cringe and sounds like the word moist. And the way people were reacting and attacking her really irked me. I do agree with some people's takes on the situation, but everyone else kept saying she had internalized homophobia. The thing is, people don't seem to understand the stigma around the word lesbian. I do think that she should have realized her words have an impact because her audience is made up of impressionable kids. Let's say one of her friends might think they're a lesbian and see that she said that lesbian makes her feel gross, so she shouldn't have said it out loud on a public platform as like a gay idol. But another thing I hated was people saying, see, this is why I prefer calling myself queer. Because it's like, wasn't queer literally a slur? Anyways, lesbian is a beautiful word. And I think a lot of young lesbians need to mature and be comfortable with their identity. I, I do think this is another situation where I'm like, yeah, this this young woman is getting a lot of hate for something that is a product of the world more so mm -hmm. than their own personal takes or stances or like the definitive answer to the issue of the word or label lesbian. You know, mm -hmm. the same way that like for Taylor, it's like she isn't the definitive stance on environmental justice and shit, right? Like, the, mm -hmm. or feminism or, or people's like fucking human rights. Like I think that people are just sort of the results of their environments. And Jojo Siwa is probably also in the result of a very lesbophobic society and the fact that at large the word lesbian is not really used. And of course the pop culture impact of this has been interesting because yes, of course, as Amy says, like it's it could it could be negatively Im impactful for people who like sort of don't who sort of take her label or what she said about the word lesbian to heart and internalize it in a particular way. No, a lot of people think that she's on her way to gay icon status. So people are disappointed, are disappointed in her saying this, which I think is fair enough. But I do think that a lot of the hate in her direction, I'm like, girl, let off. She's like fucking 19. Everyone had a bad opinion at 19. Like, <laughs> I mean, I like agree and disagree because I, saw like one tweet about this more accurately described how I felt was that people were saying like oh she has so much internalized lesbophobia but the thing about like and and I'm paraphrasing the quote retweet was that like internalized lesbophobia is no longer internalized once it has been verbalized and especially in like this public thing because before I came out I also didn't love the word lesbian and like I said it when I came out and I like forced myself to start using it to like be comfortable with who I was. <laughs> like, I don't know. But about like Jojo Siwa, I think the thing is, is that like she should have taken more heavily into consideration her expressing this opinion on a public platform regardless of her emotions on it. And that might be unfair <laughs> for me to ask, but she's about the same age as me and also came out around the same time that I did. And I think as someone who has so explicitly known her role in kids' lives, I think if she wants to be a gay icon, sometimes you have to do things that are for the betterment of the community rather than what you actually think. <laughs> and I, that could be a cunt thing to say, but I don't really care. I, I care more about the fact that she said it so publicly and her response was like to a publication during an interview rather than if it was a leaked text conversation. Right. I defend her much more. Well, I think this is a continuation of the fact that the word lesbian has always been very political. <laughs> yeah. And it's always been, 
I mean, it always. Like, mm-hmm. even in talking to our our lovely Gen X lesbians who are in our lives, Thanks they have the also had to come to terms with the label of lesbian over the course of their lives. Like, yeah. and they've been lesbians for decades. Like, I think that it, it is true that for a lot of people, a very politically loaded word like lesbian is just, there's a lot of discomfort with it, especially because if you take on that label, people are going to assume or come to conclusions about you and your identity. Like something that they said that that was really interesting was like, they were like, oh yeah, back then I feel like it was, well, it was a very, it was a, it was like a political stance to take on the label because then you were just seen, you were seen as someone who is like politically active in the gay rights movement. If you took on the label of lesbian, even mm-hmm. if you were, were a woman who was gay saying that you were gay or being generally just being like, yeah, I'm gay. That was different or more casual than identifying as a lesbian. That was mm-hmm. true in the fucking eighties. And I think it's true now as mm-hmm. well to a certain degree, right? So yeah, I mean, I think I get where she's coming from. I do think that the hate that she's getting is really fucking stupid and coming from an overly online set of individuals and I don't really think I get why people disagree and like are mad at her fair enough whatever okay why young teenagers are pissed like if I was if I was 17 and identified as a lesbian right right and then saw Jojo Siwa or some or someone say this about the word lesbian yeah like sure that 17 year old might not be like hashtag based or whatever mm-hmm. but i understand them being upset upset yeah that jojo would say that like i have my critiques i have my criticisms i'm sure i liked or retweeted something if we go through my hundreds of tweets a day right i'm not actively sending her hate yeah i think the general consensus that this was a bad move for her is correct and whether right. or not that her taking this feedback of so many people being upset may set her in a direction towards understanding why she feels that way about a lesbian. Or being sure. mad. Yeah, right. like, I think whenever this many people online talk about something, a lot right. of it is going to be bullshit regardless of the topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think this one is slightly more appropriate if she's going to be a gay idol. Like, we already have Ellen. <laughs> like, we don't mm. need another kind of bad-ish, blonde, white, <laughs> lesbian representative for the next 30 years of our lives. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like she's probably going to take on the next Ellen role, whatever that looks like for the future <laughs> and, like, the future of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like, the least that I think the audience who is her age and younger can expect from her moving forward is to be a lesbian. And that doesn't mean that I think that she has to be super politically active because I do think that as a celebrity for her position, she's correct in saying it's easier to be gay than it is to be a lesbian. Mm-hmm. But I think she's going to step up to the plate. She needs to fucking step up to the plate. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that's going to show the dichotomy between her private life and her public life. I don't really care about what she does privately. Like, yeah. to be real. I do care about what she's saying to 17, 16, 15, and younger lesbians. I think, like, this is also the larger cultural phenomenon of people just being, like, specifically for women, just being, like, oh, yeah, I'm gay, Mm -hmm. right? And then, and, like, because she's never, she's never, like, publicly used the label of lesbian, right? Like, it's just, that's never... This is the first time that she specified 
that she's lesbian yeah. because she did say like oh I don't love the word but it is what I am you know so yeah, she yeah, yeah. doesn't have anything against it in that way because when she came out and she kept saying like gay people yeah, didn't yeah, yeah. know if she was like bi with a girlfriend right. or if she right. was a lesbian and yeah, over yeah, the yeah. years since her initial coming out it's become more clear that she's probably lesbian but this yeah. is the first time that she's ever like said that like that is what I like she's not attracted to men right. essentially yeah and I think like she's going to face homophobic backlash in general and she has like in a in really significant ways yeah. and it's like really it's really sad to see but i also think this shows the way that when celebrities if and when celebrities come out the scrutiny on their lives their thoughts their political views the language that they use just becomes magnified because of the nature of how the lgbt community works you know every figure is a representative every figure is going to be the face of the community whether they want to or not Mm -hmm. which is why i think it's fun for us as like gaylers to analyze and think about someone who exists in the in a very public facing way right like we are curious about taylor's private life because of the way that it affects her public life Mm -hmm. and the way that she is perceived received and framed in the public Mm -hmm. eye and so the assigning of labels onto her or the projection of labels onto her is funny and low stakes right like it doesn't really matter that much because we all kind of just know that if and when she does talk about her sexuality like who who knows there's so much ambiguity there and there's so much speculation already right Mm -hmm. but for someone who is like Jojo Siwa who has decided to make the move to like come out and stuff and now that there is this scrutiny around her sexuality and what she says like Mm -hmm. I think like this sort of shows stuff like this and the public reaction to stuff like this and Mm -hmm. also even being asked questions like this is probably why a lot of people do not come out right like there's just it's you know what i mean like this is just you don't want when your life is already setting off public discourse with everything you do in your fucking private jet emissions you probably don't want to talk about your fucking sexuality when you know it's going to face that much more criticism and that much more so again like i think personally in mm-hmm. abstaining from the Jojo Siwa lesbian discourse <laughs> because I'm largely indifferent to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it. I get why people are mad. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. With the last part of this email, with the whole, I prefer calling myself queer, I fucking remember back in, like, 2015 or 2016, I was watching, like, some YouTube video of, like, uh, what was it? It was, like, those stupid-ass ones that are, like, oh, guess whether I'm gay or not, and it's, like, from, like, what is it like the cut or jubilee oh, or something yeah, yeah, yeah. remember those yeah, yeah. yeah and i think i remember someone talking about someone being like yeah or even in real life i went to this like panel of like new york city gays mm-hmm. who are like in the ballroom scene and or were you know like that this generation of like black queer people talk, like, on a panel mm-hmm. talking to us about lgbt shit right there's one woman there are these people who would be like oh yeah like i am lesbian but I'm queer, like I'm not attracted to men or I would say largely speaking, mm-hmm. I engage in mostly like gay activities, right? In my mm-hmm. in my personal life. But I would, I would rather have people call me and also I would rather personally label myself as queer as opposed to lesbian. So like, like I think it's, it's so common and I'm like, that's so, f- I mean, yeah. whatever, do I mean, what you want. But I think it's stupid. It, yeah, I was gonna say like, been there done that but now that i'm on the other side of it i'm like okay 
And can we see how this is bullshit? And I think yeah, let's grow thing, up. But I think what sometimes people forget is that straight people use lesbian as a slur, even though it is not. Like, women who are not lesbians, yeah, and the word gay, but like, women, like, cis, het women, do not want to be called a lesbian. Like, they do not want to be seen as a lesbian. So, Jojo Siwa, like, growing up in the, like, post- or, like, during the hashtag don't say gay campaign with, like, Hillary Duff or whatever, being like, when you say that's gay, do you know what you really mean? Or whatever, <laughs> something like that. And, like, also, like, probably being, like, 12 or 13 when people are like, we're reclaiming queer, and now it's an identity, yeah. and anyone can say it. While lesbophobia and uh, connotations around the word lesbian have yet to be really criticized and unpacked in a very mm-hmm. specific way that queer and gay have. And, again... I understand her personal feelings of probably calling herself gay, preferring gay. When I was bi, I also would call myself gay all the time. But I think that's why the word lesbian now has become so important to me because it's really the distinction between Mm -hmm. my general six years of being gay and then my two years of being a lesbian. So Mm -hmm. as a communist, I would like capitalism to be abolished, obviously, and that would lead Mm -hmm. to me abolishing of celebrity culture and the byproducts that come from capitalism for celebrity so in my vision what jojo siwa says publicly or privately wouldn't really affect her much you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like my demands are not universal but for the current circumstances we find ourselves in i think that it's disappointing with her words the way that the word queer has been watered down is so fucking oh yeah annoying. she's not queer either even if she uses that word there's no way that jojo siwa is queer i mean like i think people also don't really remember or don't really think about the fact that a lot of the language associated with current lgbt identity emerges from like working class and like revolutionary survival roots the the terminology of butch dyke them like these terms emerge because of working class culture and resistance to the dominant patriarchal heterosexist capitalist society at large because so much of being hashtag queer before that was even really a word that was used to describe anyone's identity that meant a negation from capitalist society it meant the like it, 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 it required um sort of being being excluded from the capitalist modes of production in a way that currently is not as true. It is true to some degree that yes, you might not be hired or you might get fired for being gay or trans. Most people who are homeless or impoverished are going to be women or LGBT because of the nature of how this shit works. But again, like so much of what we understand to be queer culture comes from really underground, not mainstream, anti-capitalists, like roots and culture that emerged through like resistance. And now that a lot of stuff is about assimilation, um, we see the bullshit of trying to sanitize even labels like lesbian, which mm-hmm. it hasn't, to some, in some ways, I do think it's nice for people to think that lesbian is a bad word or like is one that people shouldn't use mm-hmm. because that way I don't have to hear it from people who aren't lesbians or don't <laughs> like the same way that I have to hear the word 
queer. Yeah, but now I feel like in the way that lesbian hasn't been watered down and flattened, femme definitely has. Dear and like, lord. People who use the word mask but hate butch or something like that. <laughs> right. Or people who don't know what like stud means. Like I think femme has been taken, used, and abused and is so <laughs> far away from its original like Right, right, right. Like girl putting like your straight BFF putting on mascara in the mirror does not make her a femme. Like that uh-huh. is just a womana. Like that's just a woman. Like you're not giving femme because you wear a skirt. Like, when yeah. I wear a skirt, I'm giving femme, but that's because, motherfucker, I am a femme. Like, yeah. capital F-E-M-M-E. Like, yeah. I'm glad that... Well, I'm not glad that she's getting, like, a bunch of hate for it, but I'm glad that the reaction was kind of generally negative, so maybe she'll learn from this, rather than if she said this, and then a bunch of teenage girls were like, um, gee, I feel the exact same, I hate the word lesbian, and then, like, that was the general discourse. That, <laughs> that was that, that would have happened maybe three years ago. Like. Oh, 1,000%. <laughs> One thousand percent. Please. So, God, the pace at which shit moves because of the age that we live in is so scary. It's so yeah. scary. So it's like if I had to pick one or the other, Jojo Siwa getting hate for seventy two hours or Jojo Siwa being praised for seventy two hours for hating the word lesbian, <laughs> I'd rather some people learn some things than like set the lesbian label back like fifteen years. I'm so sorry that she had to be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Am I being too hard on Jojo Siwa? Email and let me know if I'm being too hard on Jojo Siwa. But I think I'm, I'm being pretty fair. Anyways, we need to talk about my album. No, I'm right, the album I, you wrote, produced, released. If Beyonce knows that I exist, you know, whatever. Like, we have right. this back and forth. It's good banter. Yeah. It's good chats, yeah. you know what I mean? Like... She, you know, she's caught my eye. She's turned my head. I've also been watching Love Love Island. I'm so sorry. Today, our episode is about the album Renaissance by the one and only Mother Beyonce. And should we get into our rankings before we get into the general discussion about the album? I mean, well, I would like to know your first impression. Okay, I was fucking, I was suspended off Twitter the week that Renaissance dropped. Which is awful. (laughs) So fucking sad. But I also missed the discourse around a lot of this shit, like the mm-hmm. private jet emissions and whatever. <laughs> so I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad no one was in my mentions about that shit because we're on the I, tail I end of that note. discourse. What do you think about the CO2 emissions? Why haven't you condemned times? Taylor Swift? <laughs> As a communist and a public political figure in the area, Swiftie? are you Swiftie? <laughs> and publicly Swifty? As a, as a political organizer, you should have really... <laughs> Sorry, that might be a little bit... Anyways. <laughs> that might be hashtag tea. Please. About renaissance. I live. I, like, I live. I had to, like, emotionally prepare myself for, like, a couple of hours before it could hit play. But I, I think she cleared. Like, I'm mm-hmm. a Beyonce stan, so again, maybe biased. And I also just want to be, like up front and say that although I like observe digitally from afar the ballroom and Vogue scene I'm not a part of a house I don't attend balls <laughs> in real life like <laughs> yeah I try and to, to get a... into it it's very it's very word of mouth you have to know very someone. closed circles yeah, yeah. So as even... it should be it's very gay kept oh. 
Right. And I, I'm happy with the amount of content and knowledge that I have access to as an outsider. Honestly, even though I'm gay and black, I think that is too much because I see other people in the replies who have no reason to be getting into this. Um, so, like, if people who are from the scene have criticisms of the Renaissance album, I'm not going to try and defend Beyonce above people right. who have issues with it. But right. as a general gay black person and Beyonce stan, I love it. And I will be streaming for the rest of the summer and probably for the rest of my life and all of the times. So. I think I like Lemonade more. I've heard that as an from some people. But I do really enjoy this album. I really love this era for mm-hmm. her. I love most of these songs. I like I like all of them. I like mm-hmm. all of the songs. I think it's a good era for her. Mm-hmm. I think I I think that like it's so interesting that house music is the turn that we've taken in pop culture now. Like because of the recession. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all saw the tweet, you know. <laughs> because right. When house music gets popular, that means that the recession is about to get real mean and nasty <laughs> and ugly. And gas prices ain't coming down anytime soon. <laughs> So it was it, we. It was already gonna be bad when Drake dropped that album, but mm-hmm. now, People now scared when there's about to be a mass bank bailout like we've never seen before, <laughs> like we've never seen before. Obama has mm-hmm. every single Dem in the U.S. <laughs> government called Beyonce personally and was like, "Look, Thank we're looking you. at the numbers. We need you to drop an album right now. There's no way that the American government can make it if you do not drop an album right now." <laughs> I'm living, I'm hashtag living for it. We're living in the post-Sophie era, right? We're living in the hyper-pop, like, oons mm-hmm. oons, Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like um, computer keyboard screeching sound mm-hmm. music of pop. And I, I'm... I get that, but I don't think that's where Renaissance falls in necessarily. But I could see how it could appear that way. Just because house music is oons oons. But predates computer. Oh music yeah, for sure. Because yeah. it's more about like record mixing and like live DJ work. And I think that the mixing of Renaissance, especially when we get into the I think the last song, which is Summer Renaissance, which has the Donna Sun the Donna Summer sample, um, I think is much more reminiscent of disc jockeys than it is of computer hyperpop. Yeah. I mean, I think there are other elements with throughout the album that make me think, oh, this is the hyper pop like print. Mm-hmm. And then there are other things that I'm like, this sounds like 20th century music. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a, it's such an interesting mix of sounds and noises, mm-hmm. even within each song. It's so interesting to see how it shifts in sound and speed and rhythm in a way that I'm like, wow, like it's such a interesting, fresh take i think on stuff that is both contemporary and hashtag vintage you know like i think Mm -hmm. it's interesting like i think it's interesting to see how these things like diverge and the way that i think like charlie's latest album sort of moving away from hyperpop more into pop you know i think like we're seeing offshoots in what pop in what pop music sounds like Mm -hmm. that is fun for me as a listener and i enjoy it one of the things that makes me curious about this album coming out and her for example like having big frida on the break my on break my soul which was also the single for the album is like how like is like 
is Jay-Z like, babe, it's time to go to bed. And Beyonce's like, wait, I need to see one more ballroom video, like on YouTube. Like, <laughs> how as Beyonce explores so many large cultural avenues, like homecoming, like the idea mm-hmm. of like an HBCU black homecoming, mm-hmm. Beyonce can't walk onto a college campus. <laughs> like, she can't attend one of those things. She's be- right. like. The idea of Beyonce going to an HBCU to be undercover and, like, (laughs) study. The idea of Beyonce going to a ballroom or, like, a competition. How is she getting her hands on this information? Right. Like, in such an intimate way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is going on? Her secret agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you doing this? Yeah. That intrigues me about this album a lot. Yes, yes. Agree. It is very interesting to think about. I'm like, because mm-hmm. it is. It's like, how did you even access this when you are mm-hmm. the arbiter of that cultural and institution? With, like, no one knowing. Because I'm sure she's yeah. had backup dancers who also vogue and do ballroom. Like, I'm sure yeah. she's come across these people. Yeah. But if I was a backup dancer for Beyonce, I wouldn't be like, oh, hey, there's a ballroom next Saturday. If you're free, can you pencil me? <laughs> like. <laughs> It's, like, not even that I don't think that she's been in with, like, degrees of separation from these spaces. Yeah. Who's contacting her? How's this piquing her interest? She's booked 15 years in advance. Like, how is this coming together? Right. I love it. And, like, how rich do you have to be to, like, get, like, a private concert from one of these people? You know what I mean? Like, that's I'm like, if I were a gajillionaire, Mm -hmm. hashtag jillionaire directed by Miranda July. If I was one of these people, I would be like, okay, 20 million, can you perform <laughs> for my birthday money? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but also like, but like, also, is it this how would that even like, work? The royal court like, hiring out like, opera singers like, way back when. Like, right, House right. of Versailles style. Like, yeah. at a certain point, I'm sure there's money involved, but again, you're a voguer, a barn dancer, you're a prodigy, and you check your inbox Gmail notification, mm-hmm. and it's Beyonce mm-hmm. LLC. Like, it's the Carters knocking on your fucking yeah. door. Girl, like, it's the basement of some apartment. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. What's going on? Like, right. Yes, we have, like, Honey Balenciaga, and, like, now we have, like, Legendary on HBO Max, which, like, has taken something that's more underground and put it on, like, this mainstream. And there have been critiques from Ballroom about Legendary, but, like, this is Beyonce. Mm. Like, this is, that's a different level Mm. than even the other mainstream ways that one can access ballroom. It's it's a curiosity. It's it's the same thing that I think that, like, of celebrities, of rich people, of, like, people who are In that ecosystem? Artists are the people that interest me the most. People who make something and, like, actually make it. Because they're the only people who are interesting. What Mm -hmm. are... What are you contributing to society that isn't actively causing the destruction of it? The active annihilation mm-hmm. of it? You know what I mean? Like Being an apartheid nepo baby who yeah. creates Tesla is not nearly as interesting to me as the inner workings of Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Right, right, right. Like, it really doesn't matter to me if you fucking founded a social media site because you're mining mm-hmm. my data personally. But I think that's different, like, in order to sell it to companies so you can be a billionaire. But that's different to mm-hmm. me streaming my favorite artists and... Sub- reading your favorite books. Supporting like- them by listening. 
by -hmm. consuming their work that they create. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they get from me my fan service, my presence as a fan, my presence as a listener, Mm -hmm. my pre like me as a consumer, but you're you're giving like you're literally giving so do you want to get into the rankings and we can you know talk more about this as we go through the songs on the album we usually do our bottom up rankings every time we another an album drops when we talk about it um we've done this for red tv we've done this for 30 by adele and of course Mm -hmm. charlie's album charlie x yes so yeah, what's your number 16? My number 16 is America Has a Problem. Mm. I mean, not that I don't agree that America has a problem. <laughs> I think it's a little bit funny. I know. And the fact that the has exact been- next lyric, oh my god, Kennedy posted the fucking funniest thing on her story. Let me find it. Because I was losing my shit at this. Um, Shout out to Kennedy. Kung Fu Kenny. Oomph of the right. pod. But it was, it was like a screenshot of the, of the lyrics, right? And it was like, America Has a Problem. I love his dick, right? And I was like, that's the immediate follow-up. So fucking funny. I'm obsessed. <laughs> With Beyonce's politics, I can't... Her feminism slay? I think about it too long, yeah. my brain starts to overheat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, she's so ridiculously wealthy. Mm-hmm. Like, when you look up the house that she lives in, yeah. and probably how much money she makes... It's insane. But she's always been so black in a way that other pop culture icons who appropriate blackness have, like, tried to be but never were. That, like, her poli- like her politics have always been pro-black, but she's also, like, a black capitalist. Yeah. So it's like, I agree that you think racism is bad in this way that I know is genuine from you. You're not like, oh, I think racism is bad, whatever. Like when Justin Bieber was like, racism is bad merch or whatever. I don't think that Justin Bieber actually cares about racism. And the way that I think Beyonce actually does yeah. care about racism <coughs> and like thinks that it's bad. <laughs> right. But at the same time, she's a capitalist. Yeah. And her interests still lie in that mm-hmm. in a way that I think she has her misandry era and her like lemonade essentially. Oh, 100%. But at the same time, one, she's still with Jay, and two, she is still wealthier than any of us will ever be. So it's like. As we were saying with like the whole JoJo Siwa situation, the more sort of identities mm-hmm. you hold and the more you are supposed to be a representative of any community, the more expectations are on you. That's a given. But anyways, I think America has a problem as like an actual song title, regardless of what she does publicly. It's just kind of funny. It is. I but. agree. I agree. Um, I would. My sixteen is pure honey. <laughs> is that in your top half? Oh. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Um, I don't really have any explanation. It's just not because it's not like I dislike any of these songs. They're just songs that I'm a little bit more indifferent towards. I guess. Pure Honey, really. That, I'm sorry, that was a sucker punch. Usually are like lower three are like the same songs, but reordered. <laughs> that one. Well, okay, my okay. number 15 is Alien okay. Superstar. <laughs> if you're watching this on video, I'm like nearly dry heaving and like gagging. <laughs> is Alien Superstar in your first half as well? It's not super high because I love, love my top half. Yeah. But it is not... Second to the bottom. Well, what's your 15? All up in your mind. Oh, okay. Well, my 14 is Thick. Thick? Okay, Thick. 
Yeah. What's your number yeah. 14? My number 14 is I'm That Girl, mm. which is also the intro song. Yeah. But I really like it as an intro song, I want to say. And I think yeah, it, but not as a standalone. It's a really good song. Yeah. It, it, and it's a really good song if you listen to the album on a loop, like when you go from Summer Renaissance mm-hmm. into, back into the top of yeah, the Yeah, the album. transitions are phenomenal. Like, I think that's why the first couple times I listened to it, I couldn't really get it because I couldn't tell when one song was like... Yeah. I'd like check to see if I was still listening to the same that, song. Yeah. Yeah. Like three songs down. Yeah, yeah, that's the same thing, right? Because like <laughs> even like... within one song, you have multiple breaks in it that you're like, oh, is this a new song? Mm-hmm. But it's the same song. Yeah. And then there's a lot of seamless sort of... Yeah, and, and that's the other thing. I'm like, a lot of these songs are sonically like similar in a way that her previous albums haven't been I don't think it's hard for me to differentiate like to be able to hear a song and be like oh this is the title of that song you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to do that personally but maybe that's on me I think with this album it's more sonically diverse within a song yes but throughout the album like all of the songs sounds pretty similar whereas with like Lemonade the whole album is sonically diverse but like each song is pretty consistent each distinct yeah. song yeah is consistent throughout the song my number 13 is all up in your mind yeah what's your number 13 <laughs> uh plastic off the sofa mm. well my number 12 so is America has a problem so in my oh, okay. lower because you're a communist so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you're 12 sorry I'm a fake communist thick okay so yeah we're in the same area then so yeah, my we, fi- we finally hit our right spray. my 11 is plastic off the sofa so oh okay work I'm, I, it's more melodic than uh, than the other songs on the mm-hmm. album which i'm like which is mm-hmm. like it was kind of a, i was a bit of a shock i was like wait is this the same album but yeah my 11 is alien superstar oh, okay yeah and i again at this point from like thick and above i really really love these songs and it's like neck and neck and neck yeah i would say for me it's like my top quarter is like oh these are like Mm -hmm. bangers like whoa Mm -hmm. but the rest i'm sort of like they're good but the order is not that significant to me my number 10 is move (gasps) okay that's not my number 10 but very closely my number 10 is virgo's groove (gasps) wow i know i know and, like, as a Virgo Rising, he's, like, very prominently a Virgo Rising. I have to say, I do love this song. I love it, love it, love it. But when we get to my, like, songs that are above it, I hope that people can understand and forgive me. Okay, my number nine is Energy. My number nine is Move. Okay, yeah, that's what I presume. My number eight is Heated. <gasps> my, ne- my eight is also Heated. Oh, wow, okay. So we got that one the same. Um, yeah, my number finally. seven is I'm That Girl. I really like the opener song. Oh, okay. I was like... Work. I was like, this kind of slays. It's a great opener song. Okay, we talk about this multiple times, but, like, Beyonce can pick singles in the way that Taylor Swift... Cannot! <laughs> I also think that Beyonce just generally can craft a better first song. Yeah, and, like, order of album. I think... Yeah, and, like, order her songs yeah. in a way that's better yeah. than Taylor. yeah. I feel like you can just feel the Virgo in Beyonce. Oh, that she 100%. spends at least 72 yeah. hours just ordering yes. the album. Yeah. She spends days, weeks thinking mm-hmm. about penning that shit. Taylor, she just throws that mm-hmm. shit at the wall. She said, London boy, She's like, soon you'll get better. She False said, God. Oh. <laughs> she said, oh, the album's called Lover? Let's start with, I forgot that you existed. <laughs> And, like, I know that part, she's more partly, I guess, confined in that, like, the number of what song is what signifies something, you Yeah, know? she's like, a numerology girl. <laughs> yeah. 
So, like, I guess maybe that influences why it doesn't sound like it's an order versus, like, what the track numbers mean. Whereas Beyonce is, like, this is, regardless of what you think of the album, it's going to be ordered correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The songs are going to be in order. Yeah. So, yeah. my number seven is Cozy. Wait, my number six is Cozy. <gasps> Slay. My number six is Church Girl. My number five is Church Girl. <gasps> my number five is Pure Honey. Right. And that's what we right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> if we remember, if we look back at the beginning <laughs> My number four is Summer Renaissance. <gasps> Real Slay. My number four is Energy. And I wrote in parentheses, it makes the Caribbean come out. <laughs> right. I'm forgetting what it sounds like. To be honest, I haven't, like... I get real wine to waste. Like, it's, like, Caribbean down. My number three is Break My Soul. <gasps> okay, close, but not the same. My number three is Cuff It. Ah, okay. Mine... And it was mm-hmm. at the top for a very long time yeah. until it gets my top two. But my number two is Virgo's Groove. I love that song. Real. I love it so real much. AF. I, I do love it. But these other ones get my body shaking and moving <laughs> in a much more intense way than Virgo's group. Okay. My number two is Break My Soul. Yeah. Initially, I had two Break My Soul, but then I was like, no, I think I like Virgo's mm-hmm. groove more. But mm-hmm. my number one is actually Cuff It, which is like what you were saying. Because when I first heard the song, yeah. I was like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I was like, no, turn Cuff that it shit up. Is, and my number one is Summer Renaissance. No, I know it might seem like I chose that song because it has my name in it and it has Summer and it has Donna Summer. It says Donna Summer and me on a Beyonce title. Uh I know that looks like to the public. I'm coming here today in front of all of you to say that that is not the reason why that is my number one favorite song. But like, I could take a tea break for the rest of my life. And if you put that song on, I'm immediately high. Like, right. I'm immediately on every drug and right. I'm the best trip of my life. Right. Like, there's just something about it that just rewrites my brain. Even though I don't dance as hard to it or, like, go as hard, mm-hmm. the enjoyment factor... It's kind of like Mamma Mia. I don't care what you say about that movie. That's a five-star movie. <laughs> I don't care what you say about Summer Renaissance. That's my number one song. Uh-huh. And Break My Soul, I liked it as a single, but within the context of the album, it's so I like good. it even yeah, more. Yeah, It's, Agree. like, the point in which it comes in the, like, lineup... Oh, my... Like, lives were changed. Yeah, yeah. Like, walls were shaken. When I was listening to the album in order for the first time, and then I heard Rigger's Soul, I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Wait a fucking minute. It's so, so good. And I'd say, like, I'm That Girl is, like, a fantastic intro song. Should 100% be the first mm-hmm. song of the album. From I'm That Girl all the way down, that whole experience of listening to the songs in order, it's literally a never-ending dance party, whiplash, mm-hmm. breakdown beats mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i love it i love it so much well i'm glad this r- despite a couple aberrations we're like in the general mm-hmm. same direction yeah a hundred percent i think pure honey when i first listened to it it like it's definitely pure slash honey. yeah like there's the first half of the song and the second half of the song and in the beginning i didn't like that but then on re-listens i've come to appreciate the first half and the second half almost as two different songs and i enjoy both of the songs rather than being like why does this sound so disjointed Mm -hmm. as one song Mm -hmm. but like there's so many songs like that and i think that also like maybe calls back to like a side and b sides Mm -hmm. of a track or like radio cuts versus house cuts of a song you know and stuff like that where there would be two different songs that 
DJs put together, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there's a reason why some of the, like, disjointed sounds within the same song exist the way that they do. Once I've gotten over that, it no longer impeded my enjoyment of it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, okay, this is the thought that I had in the car. Yeah. So sorry. I think that this album and how black it is in pairing with how gay it is really shows why Beyonce and Kim Kardashian were never friends Mm. (laughs) because Beyonce married Jay-Z obviously and Kim married Kanye and Jay-Z and Kanye were like linked together musically pop culturally for a really really long time Mm -hmm. and still kind of are and Kim always reached out to Beyonce and wanted to be seen as the same level of like rapper wife as Beyonce And very publicly and privately, Beyonce has, like, declined Mm. Kim Kardashian's friendship Mm -hmm. in very clear and explicit ways that have really gotten under Kim's skin. (laughs) Like, she didn't like that that was a social circle that she couldn't break into as, like, a pop culture icon on the rise. I don't know if you saw... I don't know if it was on the For Harriet channel or on Kimberly's personal channel. Mm -hmm. She talked about the change in aesthetic of the Kardashians in the past couple of, like, months and how Kim has actively worked to take herself out of the black male gaze in the way that she worked so hard to put herself in. in. Yeah. And even from going to law school, the weight loss, getting rid of the BBL, Mm -hmm. not tanning as aggressively. She's really actively separating herself from the black image in the way that in Beyonce in this album really is like entrenching herself in it. Yeah, and reiterates the black beauty standard of the community, which obviously is influenced by like Eurocentricity, but like with a song like Thing Mm -hmm. or having lyrics like, but you better not lose that ass though or anything like that. And celebrating like the way that the black community typically likes slightly larger bodies Mm -hmm. than whatever is the norm generally. Mm -hmm. I think that her elevating and explicitly supporting black standards of beauty Mm. even though that's not necessarily like good but like very black again puts her in opposition to kim kardashian who is now like unblackifying right right like and i think that that is another way that regardless of beyonce's politics in every other aspect of her life she really prioritizes blackness Mm -hmm. and i think that is just really cool that someone can be this popular this successful and be this black in the time where someone like the kardashians or like even ariana grande goes in and out of blackness yeah like they're not and never will be and Beyonce like makes it a point to be black Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting Mm -hmm. yeah definitely in terms of recommendations oh I forgot about that yeah our third segment guys maybe she's overlooked but she's important she is no I love our recommendations I love hearing what you have to recommend me because my TBR is now long it's just never ending babes it just never it was never going to end do you want to go first question mark question mark i guess so i'm once again coming to you with a recommendation that i'm not sure you're gonna like (laughs) but i'm going to give to you anyway (laughs) in classic renaissance form right because very recently at the time of recording was the two-year premiere of one of my favorite lesbian movies summerland and I don't think I've actually ever recommended this movie to you on the podcast, mm. even though you reference it I've constantly talked to you about it. Yes, I do. And it is a 2020 
independence film directed by Jessica Swale. It was her debut film. She got a grant from BAFTA. It is a period drama, but the period drama part came more out of necessity than she wanted to make a World War II film. Uh, because really the crux of it is this lesbian relationship we kind of see we go in and out of two timelines over the course of the movie i think that you'd like this aspect of it in that the lesbian relationship isn't really the primary plot mm. it's kind of the b plot the main character is alice lamb and she's definitely a lesbian and we see her throughout the entire movie and i think that the film does a good job at lesbian representation of like being a lesbian person even when we don't see her in the context of a relationship. Mm. Like, she's not a lesbian because of the romance she had in the 20s or how it, like, still affects her life now. Like, she is a lesbian, and because of that, she's had a lesbian relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. And every time that I rewatch it, and now that it's been, like, two years that I've been a lesbian and I still watch the movie, I see more and more how Alice Lamb and, like, almost every scene that she's in is a lesbian. <laughs> in comparison to like other gay movies mm -hmm. where like it's because there's a lesbian romance that that character is gay not necessarily because of their overall characterization yeah i mean i've been meaning to watch summerland because it's one of your favorites and it got added to netflix right it did recently yeah yeah but as many of us may know sunny is not good <laughs> at watching long-form media like movies and tv shows because i sort of go into it with like okay i need to focus we need to pay attention we need to be seated it's not a casual affair for sunny and also she's not sick and twisted in the mind so i know that might be hard to grab your attention in the way that your current media era is the most evil sick demented women that i've ever heard of in my entire life uh, they give me nightmares just from your synopses over the phone. So I do apologize for maybe the movie laughing. Well, that's why I love shit like um like The Handmaiden because it's so sick and twisted and mm -hmm. gory. No, we know why right. you love. <laughs> we all know why you love, and it is not because of laughing. Like number five on the list of the reasons why you love The Handmaiden. And why I love movies like, like, Sorry to Bother You or whatever. I love something that just is mm -hmm. like... Or like the show that's the adaption. Oh yeah, Made for Love. Alyssa Nutting. Yeah. Alyssa Nutting. To be honest, like, I would love... I, I'm scared, but I would also love to, like, crawl into your skin. I would be scared of the thoughts I would have, but I'm so interested. Because I've mm -hmm. recently read all of her books, and I'm just like... <sighs> If and, but the thing is, is that I'm a one woman fucking fan club here because... Mm -hmm. And that's because all of her other fans are into <laughs> because of their fans. They're put on an FBI watch list. They're actively kept separated by the US government so that you never interact with each other because of two. So yeah, I'm in the process of trying to watch Made for Love right now, but I can only watch... Okay, this is Sunny's media. Like 15 no, minutes. No, I will watch 15 minutes of it, get up, and then try to watch another 15 minutes the next day and i can't even do it on mm -hmm. consecutive days like <laughs> and it's not because i don't like the show like i do mm -hmm. i really enjoy it i just i can't <laughs> i would say actually the book i want to recommend since i'm mm -hmm. since I, that's usually what i do is one that i was talking to you about last night actually and that i think is going to inform our guys our debuted Substack era where Real? in which we are going to be publishing essays and more 
and occasionally like newsletters for the pod but more cultural criticism mm-hmm. essays from each of us individually usually mm-hmm. um and that we've been working on or excited to launch it'll probably be up by the time you listen to this episode i know people are in demand for sunny writing and so yeah. <laughs> so i don't say that i don't give people what they want you know i know a lot of people were really were really upset a, a, a little concerned when sunny was off twitter for a y'all week y'all were dming me about sunny's twitter being down i know we're linked in your mind like that but i'm not her fucking agent like, i'm not her pr manager and you're like um, so I was wondering if I could get an official statement on Sunny's Twitter being down. Something happened and I don't know how to react to it because Sunny hasn't tweeted about it yet. Guys, stand up. Stand up. Please. Oh my god. Anyway, so the book I want to recommend is Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. Because mm-hmm. I was talking to you about this last night. Because, again, I do not agree with this woman's politics. <laughs> I love how we have to preface this with, like, everything we talk about. But I think that the writing, so good. The essays, I was just like... Like, I think the best essay is one that makes you talk to other people about it. I think I tweeted something about this Mm -hmm. today, actually. I think essays should do the work of encapsulating thoughts that a lot of people have and feelings that people have towards something, Mm -hmm. but actually being able to articulate it in a way that, Mm -hmm. like, resonates. Like, that's what I want my future writing to do, and that's what... And I want it to be Mm -hmm. enlightening. Those are the best essays that Mm -hmm. I read, right? I want it to teach me something while also pulling on stuff that I already think, know, believe to be true, but haven't fully Mm. articulated in my mind. And I think Trick Mirror does a great job of this because the subtitle of the book, and it's been out for a while, like it's very popular. So I'm not really shaking any fucking tables by talking about it. I feel like every fucking, every person has read it. Um, But the subtitle of the title, Trick Mirror, is like notes on self-delusion, I think. And it's like about, each essay is about Gia Tolentino's thoughts on the internet and like the digital age and culture. She has, Mm -hmm. the first essay is called The Eye and Internet. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I I think I'll probably do a YouTube video for hashtag a sunny book nook YouTube watchers. I think I'll probably do a video about sort of like feminist essay collections or even just doing a a more in-depth review of this one because I'm doing some annotations of it. And The Eye and Internet was so interesting. And it was a good opener to the collection because on one of the first pages, she says, she talks about like the history of the internet and the development of it. This one section, it says the period of the internet, this period of the internet. And she's talking about like the uh, the original, the originator of the internet, a name that works backward from the term web 2.0, which was coined by the writer and user experience designer, Darcy Danucci in an article called Fragmented Future published in 1999. The web we know now, she wrote, which loads into a browser window in essentially static screen fills is only an embryo of the web to become. The first glimmerings of Web 2.0 are beginning to appear. The web will be understood not as screenfuls of text and graphics, but as a transport mechanism, the ether through which interactivity happens. On Web 2.0, the structures would be dynamic, she predicted. Instead of houses, websites would be portals through which an ever-changing stream of activity, status updates, photos, could be displayed. What you did on the internet would become intertwined with what everyone else did, and the things other people liked would become the things that you would see. Web 2.0 platforms like Blogger and MySpace made it possible for people who had merely been taking in the sites to start generating their own personalized and constantly changing scenery. 
As more people began to register th their existence digitally, a pastime turned into an imperative. You had to register yourself digitally to exist. And so that was like in 1999, right? And she's like delineating that article, which I was like, wow, that was the part that sort of blew my mind because that's a life we're living now, right? Another part, she talks about how selfhood buckles under the weight of this commercial importance. Online, your audience can hypothetically keep expanding forever and the performance never has to end. So she takes in these like previous essays that are published in, in other decades and also like philosophical perspectives and thoughts and coalesces them into something that's really relevant to like our lives, obviously, as people on the internet that I was like, this is so thought provoking. Like I think her essays sort of alternate between more intellectual, like cerebral, more so, and then like more personal, because then she talks about, the next essay is about her being on a reality TV show when she was a teenager. And it was so interesting because mm -hmm. like, something that we love about the divines is like memory versus reality. As a kid, she never like watched the seasons that aired of her being on reality TV. And so as an adult, mm -hmm. when she revisits it, she's like, I didn't even remember that that should happen, or this is how I remembered it happening. And this is what actually happened, mm -hmm. which I thought that was really interesting. And then yeah. the next essay is called Always Be Optimizing, which I thought was so cool because she sort of interweaves like her own personal experiences and then also like the history of bar, which is like a type of exercise. Mm -hmm. And then the idea mm -hmm. of the the optimal woman and like how as a woman do you can you can always be optimizing and stuff like that, right? Like, and she talks about like sort of contemporary late stage capitalism and the ways that we're all privy to it and contribute to it in and, and like how the contemporary idea of digital beauty has like in this sentence, women who are beautiful in almost punishingly natural ways, right? Uh, and she references a lot of other previous texts like The Beauty Myth, which is a 1991 book that everyone references by mm -hmm. Naomi Wolf. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I think we talked about a wide range of interesting things that are hopefully still mm -hmm. relevant by the time this comes out. As you know, we are hashtag unsponsorable, so you can support us by <laughs> being a patron yeah. if you want and you can also get two bonus mini episodes a month or like vlogs or you know other stuff that we put out that's exclusive and um you can follow us on social media subscribe to us on youtube whatever i was gonna say now is probably a better time as ever to announce that neither of us are really on tiktok in the way that yeah. we used to be and we should probably just let you guys know because i know that we also had a TikTok for the podcast. Mm -hmm. And since we're not on our personal accounts, we're also just like not on the app at all to make podcast content mm -hmm. on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So if that was a way that you really enjoyed having like snippets of us, probably following us on Twitter would probably be a best way if you want like shorter free, just seeing us on a timeline of sorts. Yeah. Um, but Patreon is where probably a lot of bonus episode or a lot of energy that we used to spend on our personal plus podcast account. Yeah is now going into like Substack and Patreon in the future. Mm -hmm. So now is, if you're listening to this episode and you happen to follow us on TikTok, that's just a little update in case you're yeah. wondering. I mean, we'll probably still post, <laughs> so probably but not as frequently, not yeah. that actively like. Not in the way that we used to. Right. And we're, we probably won't engage in like TikTok specific discourse in the way that we used Thank to. Thank fucking God. I mean, I deleted yeah, needed to get my account. Uh, I was close to like 30K yeah. on Book Hoarder, but I was like, girl, we can't do this anymore. <laughs> Getting accidentally viral oh, during Lord. like a midterm season yeah. turns you off of the app so so, so quickly. Quick. When you realize that people in your so. real life can access you on the internet in a way that like it's not even just like your friends and bays. I was uh, who got scared? Yeah, I was a little scared. 
No, like I'll probably always be on Twitter because I'll always have friends. Yeah, on Twitter. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really have friends on TikTok. Anyway. Right, right. And even if I did, they've all moved to Instagram now. Or they're just my <laughs> Twitter Instagram mutuals. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, sorry if any of you guys really enjoyed our TikTok. Era. I mean, who knows? But yeah, that those are our updates. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. If you listened all the way through, we appreciate you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Yeah.